Welcome to the Before Midnight podcast, coming to you from the N Plus One studios overlooking beautiful downtown Frankfurt. In this podcast, we explore the world of age group tri- age group triathletes. We'll be looking at the real world challenges of being an amateur multi sport athlete. I'm your host Linda Word, along with my co-host Brian Schenkenfelder. What's up, Brian? Man, life is fantastic, man. It's got to be great, man. There's all drama all the time. I mean, what else is better life than drama? There's lots of drama right now. Yes. I mean, oh, just yeah. like in life has been, I don't know if it's <laughs> like the season change or what, but I'm like, everybody just chill out a little bit and leave me alone for a day. <laughs> you know? But no. No. <laughs> so what's all your drama? Maybe it's better than mine. Oh, uh, my drama is all soccer related. We've oh. had a pretty crazy week since last time like wednesday night i had the little kids my six seven team were we were supposed to have practice on wednesday night they wise like well you're gonna have a makeup game we're not we didn't play on derby too many people complained about playing on derby we're we're gonna move our game to makeup day like okay we show up both teams are warming up 6 15 we started six six fifteen there's no ref nothing shows up whoops we end up roughing the game i end up roughing the game myself and having one of my parents coach our team and the other coach he coached his team and we we played a game they don't record scores so it doesn't they don't record oh six age. and seven year olds yeah they don't that's record right. scores it yeah, didn't so it really matter. matter and that's like, why why even play the game let's just practice what they're going to learn as much from practice as we will from a game so that was so fun. did the other team was that their practice night too i don't know that's a good question i kind of hope so for their i mean because otherwise they get we were the ones that got yeah, otherwise it but really, you know. We lost the practice. You lost your practice. And, and then yeah. we lost practice this week because of rain. Yes. Yeah, so 6-7, we had like four or five practices this year. Yeah, they, they didn't learn anything. I mean, that's just not enough time to no. to no. learn much. Awful. I think the last games this weekend. My older team, 10-11, one of the players dropped off the team. She just quit. We have nine players. Three couldn't make it last week, so we had six. Oh, my gosh. My son had... He had his games in E-Town right. with his King's Hammer. We have the Wolves team. We practiced on Saturday. I've only got nine kids. One dropped out, so I've only got nine. Three couldn't make it. My son, he had a tournament in E-Town, and one girl had a wedding, and then the other one, I don't know, sick or something. One of the other parents, he had one girl come and, and, and be kind of a sub in previous games. That's sweet. Give us another player. Yay. He found another kid to come who I've known from previous seasons, and he's a really good player. Awesome. I have eight. We're playing 9v9. I have eight. I'm like, we'll just play with eight. We'll play 8v9. I, I don't really okay. care at this point. And we go out and and do really well. But, like, one of the girls we bring in, she gets a little handsy at times out there and, and pushes. Okay. And, and I've talked to her a number of times, but you, you, just, you don't want to go in and push. If you get the ball, you can use your arms to create a barrier so – people can't get around you and kind of protect, shield the ball. Right. You just can't go in and with your arm and, and push and things of that nature. Well, I guess she was doing it the game. I, I didn't see her do it this time. I've seen her do it before. She really didn't get the ball that much. I, I don't know if I saw it, but the parents started getting mad at her. Thanks. Bad. And then the other coach, one of the coaches on the other side, she starts screaming at me, are you going to have her stop pushing? Blah, blah, blah. I mean, like, really loud. And it was bad. And, and I guess the parents got mad. And Isn't that up to the ref to call that the, stuff? The ref goes over and says something to him, and he goes into the ref. The ref gives the fan a yellow card. I didn't even know that was possible, but okay. He gave the fan, like a parent, a yellow card? Ah. 
That's I awesome. guess if they were warned again, they'd be asked to remove remove yeah. from the game. Thank well, you. He turns around to walk away, and the parent gives him the finger. Oh my god! Oh my just, god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Just get me out of this game. Yikes! <laughs> the kids are fine. It's the parents. Oh my god! I, I knew there was a reason I never had my girls in soccer. This is it. <laughs> I mean, this is all sports and parents. And the, the funny thing is, is I, I've never been a big fan of the pushing and things. I've come to realize after I've been in select soccer that's part of the game. And you have to kind of get used to it. And, and I've seen, like, the bad side of it. They, My son's played a team. They played a team, like, back-to-back almost that was comes in with ill intent on kids. Not their whole team, but there's about four or five kids that just mm-hmm. come in. They, they're from, like, Eastern Europe. Their, parent, their families are from, like, Eastern European descent. Apparently Bowling Green has a big uh, migrant community. Okay. And a bunch of them have obviously played soccer. It's Europe. Right. And they they're they're pretty harsh in how they come in and very handsy, thing. Okay. very aggressive. I, so I've seen that side of soccer, <laughs> and what was going on at the Y was negligible. I mean, it looked like a, a typical game at my son's, and there really wasn't yeah. that much pushing. Wow. going on, and, and they were parents getting, were yes, not parents were happy about this you know, sixty pound girl like is going to hurt their kids by pushing i i don't know <laughs> when their kids are 80 and 90 pounds yeah <laughs> wow interesting it, it was wild and, and the girl actually i guess one of the kids had got a grabbed her in the arm so she kind of hurt her elbow type thing uh, i don't know if mm. we had to bring out the last few minutes put ice on her wow um, yeah apparently that's okay to do that to the other yeah they didn't get upset about that did they no one got upset about about <laughs> doing that I, yeah, we. I, I heard some things that day. I, I <laughs> that were interesting to say the least. Uh, wow, it was a game that we won handily too. I think that kind of added to. The, oh well, that's why they were upset. They weren't very good players. But <laughs> they have some pieces, but they just weren't. They weren't. <laughs> I had better pieces, and that, yeah. that's the way this works. I've, a lot of those kids I've been working with now for four and five years. Yeah, they know how to play together. They know how to pass the ball things we've been working on they do very well and yeah they are able to take advantage of the other teams and one of the things i've learned about the why that's interesting in, in soccer is most of these coaches will hide their weaker players on the defensive side of the ball right they take all their best players and put them on the attacking side right which when you go to like select soccer it's almost the opposite some of your best athletes are on your defense mm-hmm. to be able to counter the real the speed of the other teams. Right. If the other team's faster than your defenders, you're done. Yeah. And what happens is, is I've got some speed, and we just go around the defense, and they can't respond. Mm-hmm. That's just not where their strength is. A lot of times hmm. in, in select, you'll put some of your weaker players in kind of the attacking positions and up front because that's the spot to hide them. Because it doesn't hurt you. Yeah. <laughs> you may not score much when that when they're in, but, no but it doesn't hurt you defensively. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Yeah. And Different it's just strategies. kind of interesting. And, yeah. and, and you see that in select, but in why it's the opposite. They just put all their talent to try to score goals. And we're playing on tiny goals, which doesn't help either. Even so, the why is just a complete mess. I mean, we played, we played four games in our season. Four games. And you're done. And we're done. We got a tournament, and they're going to play the tournament back to back. They're going to play four games back to back. So there's game one, game two, 
the winners of game one and winners of game two play game three, and then game four are the losers from one and two. All back-to-back. We're in game two for some so, reason, even though we're the one seed in the tournament. <laughs> Which means we will play at two and three o'clock on Saturday when it's 85 to 88 degrees. Oh, wow. I have no subs, so they're going to play the whole game back-to-back. Back-to-back. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Can you get some subs? <laughs> I'm going to complain to the wide, see if we can get that chance. Is this, it's, your, it's, it's is just, this your little guys? No, this is 10, 11-year-olds. 10, we're playing 11 on a big olds. field. Oh we're running. Gosh. Wow. It's not like we're playing on a little... T- if we're playing on a little tiny field, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. We wait yeah. 15 minutes, we play again. Yeah. But these are 25-minute halves, so 15-minute games on a big field with a lot of running right. in 85, 88-degree heat. Just ridiculous. No, no, no. No, very poor planning on the wise part. Agreed. Shorten the games. Well, it's it's bad for the kids. They... they you're going to be playing in the heat of the day, yeah. back-to-back games. I don't care who's playing those back-to-back games. That's wrong. Yeah. That's wrong. At that the kids age, are I mean, cross-country meets and things like that, the track meets, they go all day long. Somebody's going to end up running when it's super hot. You just can't avoid it. But they adjust things where the faster kids are running later. It's like the older kids are running later, you know, because of that. And But they're not running too no, they're not, they're, they're not running back-to-back races. Yeah, they're not running 50-minute 50 50 races, no. <laughs> Which is what you have. You're having yeah. back-to-back races at this point. No, they're only running. No one, you know, they're running one race. It's, 20 minutes. It's one thing to play a game in the heat. That's not the end of the world. I, I don't have a yeah. problem with that. Yeah. But to come off of one game and go immediately into your next game yeah. with five minutes of rest? No. That's in that not, type of heat? I would, yeah, I would definitely say that's gonna, that's gonna. That's just bad for the kids. Yeah. Someone's going to overheat, potentially. Yeah. Mm. have heat exhaustion or something. I, I don't understand that. The uh, My son's soccer finished up over the weekend in a tournament in E-Town. They have phenomenal feeds, fields there. I mean, it's just like a professional soccer game level nice. fields. Nice shortcut, grass, perfect across the board. A really nice place to play. Good. I was very impressed with that location. We uh, Worth the hike down there. Yeah. I mean, they won their first game. The second game they played the bowling green team <laughs> that they played like the weekend before somehow we got drawn with them because there's like six flights oh no and they were like one of the one seeds in this in the eight in the six flights and we got stuck in their group which bad luck <laughs> uh. we played them much better this time i think we lost three to nothing we gave up three goals in like a four or five minute window okay and that team did score again and we missed a couple opportunities to score we, we played them tougher we were much more physical. They they came out with a lot more bumps and bruises than <laughs> as many as they gave. Which I mean, that's I hate that style of soccer. If you're going to be in it, though, you you're going to have to yeah match physicality with physicality. Yeah, it's an unfortunate mm-hmm. part of the game. Uh, in those I know your son was a little disappointed. I talked to him today out in the playground, and he said that. But then they played their lost. third game. That was a game they probably should have won. The day before, probably, I think, took a little too much out of them. Okay. And they came out slow. They gave up two goals early. They fought back and tied it, and then with, like, five minutes to go, they gave up a goal with, like, five, like he, two He said that the mistakes were made or something. Yeah, and they like, just, uh, they, like, the one kid who played just really well the day before against that really good, you know, the physical team, he had didn't have as good a game this time. It was just one of those things where mm-hmm. we just didn't play particularly well. And we lost, and that ended the season. Even if we'd won, the season was over because we, they have, 
eight flight. They have six flights, so the six winners from the flights get in, and the next two, with goal differential, get in as wild okay. cards. But there were enough teams with much higher goal differentials that we had no chance of, of mm. getting in that day. Okay. It would have been nice to have gone two and two and one in that tournament rather than one and two. It's kind of disappointing because that because now the season's over. Kids are gonna. We, we have tryouts. Yeah. Kids are gonna move around. Like where is like where are most of these kids gonna end up next season, and we're gonna end up on that team. Yeah. <laughs> From my standpoint, because now like Kings Hammer is trying to branch into Lexington. Okay. Lexington had a couple, Co- Commonwealth and Lexington Football Club kind of merged, and they're part of Lexington Sporting Club, which is part of the professional team. There's a professional oh, wow. team, in, like a low level professional team. Okay. In Lexington, that's forming, and it's going to be their farm team. Okay. Well, apparently, when you start merging all these clubs into one, there's going to be fallout from that, and Kings Hammer's trying to take advantage of that and bring over a bunch of those teams oh, okay. into a Lexington team. There you go. Uh, they were going to have an academy team in Lexington, which is the difference between Premier, which is what my son is in, and Academy is Premier practices twice a week, Academy practices three times a week, Academy's place and probably a little bit better tournaments and things yeah and they have a guaranteed like winter program where we didn't have a winter program okay we can create our own but it's not part of the the training fees and stuff we went and did that tryout but i don't know even if he would get accepted i don't know if we would do it because the training's gonna actually be in lexington oh which you don't live in lexington we don't live in lexington (laughs) and because right now we're in versailles it's about a 20 minute drive to the yeah versailles not bad if it's maybe the west side of Lexington where it's like a 30-minute drive, I would consider it. It could easily be like a 45, 50-minute drive. Easily. Depending on where it is, where practices are in Lexington. So I'm like, my first question is, well, where are practices going to be? Because yeah. originally I was like, well, they might be practicing in Versailles yeah. with this team. That but would be that's ideal. Not, that's not. They're practicing in Lexington. They're like, well, we haven't signed contracts completely yet, so we don't want to jinx it. Therefore, I can't tell you where you're going to practice. But if you're from Lexington, it'll be convenient. What if we're not from Lexington? <laughs> I mean, I didn't say that. That was my thought. Like, we're, yeah. we're not yeah. from Lexington. Yeah. And most of the good players from Alex's team tried out for that. I, I don't know if they'll go to that or if they're going to end up back in Versailles. or. Yeah, have to I, see. And I don't know if it's because they were telling us that, hey, there's some kids on the list, but they didn't show up, but they're going to be evaluated as well for this academy team which makes me wonder if this academy <laughs> team was already selected and they're just look this tryouts was because f- they were also going to do a premier lexington team as well i'm wondering if the tryouts weren't like well we might have some holes mm-hmm. we're going to bring this one team I'm, I'm assuming they're probably bringing a team from commonwealth straight over yeah the whatever their best team is and that's going to be the academy team for <laughs> And depending on how many kids come over, that the, the, the trouts might have yeah. been to fill some holes on that right. team. <laughs> that was just kind of I could be completely off base and completely wrong on that. It just kind of has that feel to it. Yeah, I know there's a number of Commonwealth coaches that are coming over to Kings Hammer in Frank in uh, Lexington. I'm assuming some of that stuff was all going on. Yeah, under the hood, that we have that drama. We'll probably end up back in Versailles, hopefully, so, with most of his team. So is Alex done, your son's done soccer? Until the spring. Until, until the fall, I mean. Until fall. 
Yes, we're it's summer break. This is a summer break because basically soccer is fall, winter, spring, and then summers. And so we'd take we would take it. We would we would pick back up in August. Okay. <laughs> We'll be doing. We'll probably be doing Kings Hammer and Versailles again, depending on so what that you, team looks like. I mean, it, will I, you coach for the Y? This is my last time coaching for the Y. I'm done with this. I, I, I can't. I can't handle the. Yeah. The garbage. It, it's just poorly run. It's. Yeah. It's poorly run. It's not done properly. I mean, we're not even playing on with the right size goals. Yeah. They can't even get the right size goals for this. It's pathetic. Yeah. I, I'm done with it. We're trying to form a select team here in lexington we have tryouts in a week okay uh, hopefully i'll be able to coach one of those teams okay. it'll be under georgetown we're gonna be like a satellite team for georgetown cool. here in like, frankfurt yeah well i mean alex one of alex's friends some okay. of his friends are on a 2012 team okay we're trying to i guess do a 2011 13 14 15 age okay. groups with our tryouts I don't know if we'll have enough kids to do a 2011. We'll, yeah, we'll have see. to see. It's That's going to be hard because you 9v9, you need at least 12. Right. Finding 12 kids is going to be difficult. Uh, most of the kids time. who are 2011 are probably playing select somewhere else if they're yeah. into soccer already. Yeah. It's going to be a tough bill. The question is, can I get like the 2013s who are now playing 7v7? I only need 10. Mm-hmm. Can we start forming teams around there? And then yeah. like 2014, 2015 would be academy teams that would just play among themselves. And then you might schedule like mm-hmm. inner games with some of the other clubs around here. But if they don't have official like leagues they play in. It's a lot. And we'll, lot. you know, then you're just, the goal is to get the younger teams and then grow it going forward and have yeah. older teams three and four years from now. Well, I'm sorry I haven't seen you at the pool recently. Life has been. Absolutely insane. I thought I was going to get to swim for a couple of weeks, but nope. Doesn't happen with drama at my job, workplace. <laughs> but I finished my I finished the semester of grad school. Yay! I have a week off. Then you start again. And then I start again. I start next Sunday. I start with two classes for the summer. But of course, my job's not done. At you know we're going to be in our last week of school. School next week. So that'll be an interesting week for me. I. Y'all may not see me in a podcast. <laughs> we'll see. Sorry. But it's life, so. But then summer break occurs. I don't get a summer break. Because oh. I'm the camp. I'm in charge of summer camp at okay. the school. So I won't be there every day. But we actually had to close registration last week for summer camp. We have that many kids. Oh, wow. So, yeah. At the preschool classes, COVID is done. Everybody is ready to let their kids go places. Everybody's at work again. Well, yeah. You know, I mean, or they're like ready to get them out of their house if they're still working at home. Well, they were telling the kids in Jefferson County stuff. They just sent them to school <laughs> once they felt better from COVID. Yeah. They're just not even bothering. With yeah, them. no. It's, I mean, and it's really, um, we, we've, I suspect some of the kids that have been home and sick um, have had COVID, but they just haven't been tested. You know, and the numbers are all kind of skewed that you read because home tests aren't counted in the count. So if people are testing positive and they're not reporting it, anyway. Yeah, it kind of swept through a bunch of my friends from 
Derby. I don't know if it was because of Derby or right before Derby. Or yeah. The Derby party went to. Yeah. It's, it's uh, you know, I mean, it's still here, but it's in a, it's, it's gone to being, you know, similar to a cold and flu or whatever. It know. is a, yeah, it's your annual respiratory virus like yeah, the flu. Just another one. Yep. Yeah. So. I'm more than happy just to move forward. So yeah, well, apparently uh, all of our families have. Yeah, <laughs> which is good. Like, good Set them up for camp, and I'm like, oh wow. The only group that we don't have a lot in is the the bigger kids, the, the nine ones. to thirteen, which is usual. I mean, they can stay home by themselves, but and that's been the hardest for me to get staff for. And I was sitting here stressing and stressing. I've got like six kids, and I've got teachers for the mornings for. All eight weeks. I've got great programming all eight weeks, but I have nobody for the afternoons. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not stressing about this anymore. <laughs> I said, We're not going to have it in the afternoon. You either pick your kid up at noon or they're going to be a junior counselor with the six to eight year old group that's got like 20 something kids. Yeah. Just put them in there and they can help out. Yeah. You know, and they'll have fun and, you know, they'll have a good time and it, it won't be a big deal. I've got enough staff for that group of kids to handle a couple more that can be helpers so but uh yeah it's been uh i've never been in charge of the camp before i've been an assistant i'm doing it on my own and luckily you know we have a great new director at the school new head of school and so i mean she's she did all the brochures and you know she did a bunch of the stuff and recruiting people and i'll tell you what she has got a pipeline to teenage girls that are into education i've got okay Two staff that are have graduated from um, college in education that are coming to work for us for the summer that already have teaching jobs in the fall. Okay. Can't get better than that. Two more that are early childhood education majors in college and another one that's a psychology major. And I'm like, where did you all come from? This is fantastic. So, so those college kids? Yeah. Does she have kids that are in college? She does. Okay, well, that's how yeah. that happens. She has, well, <laughs> she she has a high school junior girl who's okay. on dance team, and yeah. Well, that's how you know a bunch of kids yeah. who are in college. And yeah, stuff. she's got like the, the pipeline. Last year's director had a pipeline to high school age boys, who are great fun for camp, but not necessarily the most motivated to make sure the kids are doing what they're supposed to be doing. I'm like, oh, please don't make me fill out any more accident reports. Oh God, no. <laughs> Um, so, I mean, they were great. They were a lot of fun. And I wish I had some more of those to kind of mix it up a little bit, but it's okay. I'm good. I'm good with the crew that I've got. So, so hopefully I won't have to be there a whole lot, but I'll have to be there. So, yes. So I got that two grad school classes for the summer. Yeah. But I got an A on this last class. Yay. I'm smart. I don't know that I'm that smart. It was just, I study well. (laughs) You did what you needed to get the job done. I did. I did. That's all that matters. Luckily, I've had the professor before, so I knew what to expect. So that was good. Anyway, so we were going to talk this week about an article that was sent to us from USMS. Yes, USMS had an article, and someone wanted us to kind of talk about it. So I was like, yeah, we can talk about that. And the article is, when's the best time of day to swim? Certain times may help you meet your goals more efficiently, but any time is better than no time. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. (laughs) Then the article talks about early mornings have long been the domain of most master swimming workouts. Many adult swimmers find that getting up at the crack of dawn to log laps fits better with busy work and home schedules. But depending on your goals for such exercise, new research suggests that you might want to consider hitting up an afternoon workout session instead. 
small 2020 study conducted in Holland examined how exercise timing affects me- metabolic changes. A study of 32 adult males who had been diagnosed with or were at risk of developing type 2 diabetes undertook 12 weeks of supervised exercise training in either the morning or the afternoon. The researchers compared the data between the morning exercises and the afternoon exercises. They found the participants who trained in the afternoon experienced superior beneficial effects of exercise training on a variety of disease markers. These men's also dropped a bit more weight from the abdomen than their morning exercise counterparts. They go on and on. Uh, the results part of a growing body of research about timing of exercise just the people who are metabolically compromised, meaning they have at risk for diabetes or other have or have other metabolic conditions, may reap more pronounced metabolic benefits from exercise training when this training is performed in the afternoon versus the morning. Those results echo echo those from a 2019 study conducted in Sweden. 11 men, type 2 diabetes. Uh, better blood glucose control when they engage in high-intensity interval training in the afternoon, those in the morning. Um, yeah, and then the article can pretty much continues to go on talking about you know, how you, when might be a better time than others. Um, although the science is still in the early stages, it seems the question whether it's best to exercise will likely be guided by another question, why do you exercise? If your goal is to lose weight, another 2019 study suggests that working out in the morning may provide a better fat-burning boost to your efforts. If your aim is to perform your best in the pool, several studies suggest that an evening session might be best. For example, a 2007 study looked swim performance specifically and tested the previously reported theory that performance peaks in the early evening. A group of 25 swimmers, 13 male, 12 male, were addressed over 50 to 55 consecutive hours. Um, they swam all out 200 meter efforts, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Very long article. I don't want to read all of it. However, individual variation seems to play a role as well as least according to a 2015 study published in Current Biology that found the personal best performance time differs significantly between circadian phenotypes, <laughs> i.e. when do you wake are up you in the morning first or the night Or are you a night person. owl? Yep. Now, the first thing I did was the, the, the article was nice enough to provide links to the studies. Yes, that was nice. And the study that started the article, I, I clicked on it and... They showed, yeah, the group that did it the afternoon lost more weight than the early morning group, but statistically... There was only 11 people in the study. There was 11 people, but it was, <laughs> it was statistically a zero. There was no real difference statistically. But mm-hmm. they, from a raw number, yes, they did. Again, it was... What you find... What, what I find interesting about scientific studies in general is, especially when it comes to sports, is how challenging it is to find groups of athletes or whatever in big enough numbers to have a real statistical analysis. When we're talking about having a study with 20 people in it, that's just such a small sample set. You might be able to find, like identify something that might need further study from a a group that small. Like, hey, we noticed this trend. Maybe we need to do a bigger study to see if this is an actual trend yeah, rather than just... Because it can be just a fluke when it's a that A fluke few, when it's that many people. It's I, just that small number, yeah. You see this, you know, for those who do sports, it's the same problem you have with like football. Football plays 11 games through a year. So it's very hard like in college football to rank teams when you're only playing 11 games. There's not yeah. enough interconnectivity of the data. We're like baseball. They play 162 games in the in MLB. Now we've got a lot of data. Numbers, we can yeah. do. We can actually make an analyst. We can do analysis on these numbers and get something that is somewhat meaningful. Right. It's the same problem here with scientific studies in athletics. 
so for me, like that study, I kind of have to take with a bit of grain of salt. Yeah. Because it doesn't mean a whole lot it, when it's that it's small so group. small. Yeah, it's it could be just the random element, you know, because yeah. we had twenty people. What if we have two thousand? Would we get the same results? Right. That's really the question. The more interesting of all those studies they list was the last one they talked about, that 2015 study, where Mm -hmm. they actually did performance among, it looks like collegiate athletes, athletes that were on collegiate teams, athletes with some shape. I'm trying to think. Yeah, it was, uh, uh, sorry, I say I had it. 121 (laughs) competition level athletes, 70 females, 51 males, average age 22 and a half, so... Mostly collegiate level athletes. My guess is this. I think the study was done in the UK, which yep. means they were probably not collegiate athletes. They were probably club athletes at the local cl- at local like soccer clubs or whatever sport they are. Because Europe doesn't have collegiate sports. No. They don't have school based sports. They actually have uh, professional clubs, like select type teams yep. across the board. So you're talking about kids that are in the college, which is probably how they studied them. They were in college. They were also playing for local teams, <laughs> local sport teams. Right. And they brought them in for the study. Uh, what they found was that the best time for your or to get peak performance was eight hours after work, waking up which kind of changes that dynamic a little bit. If you're an early morning riser who gets up at 6 in the morning and is happy, your peak time would be 4 in the afternoon, where if I got up at, say, noon, because <laughs> I sleep in every day and I'm up till 3 or 4 in the morning, my peak time to exercise would be around 8 o'clock that night. Yeah. And they their study was a little fantastical. They're like, well, we can see a 26% change up to 26% change in performance based on when you do it from when you wake up. And when you start diving into that study, it, it's it's actually kind of interesting that they do show a curve where people in the morning you know, don't do as well, and as you get closer to that eight-hour gap, your performance goes up. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, and then after that eight hours, it starts going back down again because you're starting to wear out from the day's activities at that point, Right. I would assume. That's why, like, yeah. you know, you're tired from the day, and it's kind of hard to perform when you're yeah, tired. Yeah, they're saying highest performance values were at 4 p.m. and 7 p.m. So, and lowest performance value was at 7 a.m. I'm like, yeah, bummer. <laughs> <laughs> then I did a little bit of a dive into the data a little bit more, and when you start looking at the graphs from this study, you see a lot of really poor performances throughout the different time ranges, Mm -hmm. which if I were to take this study and drop off the bottom 10 or 12% of 10 to 15% of data points and the top 10 to 15% of data points, the curve would look a lot flatter. (laughs) A lot closer to a straight line. And it's what's interesting about it is how many people are giving their maximal performance throughout that time gap. If you look at the graphs, you see people at the very top throughout the time range. And in fact, you see more at the beginning of the day at the top than you do at the end of the day. That's the only thing I saw from the data is that, except for the people who are night owls, you saw very little peak performance after that eight hours. Yeah. But you saw peak performance before that eight hours up to. 
Yeah. You just have like some really low data points in there that really drag that line down. Yeah. It's kind of like when you're out, uh, if you've ever, well, I have a power meter and I'm riding at like 180, 190 watts. And if I go downhill for like 30 seconds, my average for that like segment drops to like 160 almost immediately. Even right. though I'm doing like my works at 180, 190 watts, it immediately drops like 20, 30 watts yeah. because you got all the zero data that's pulling it down really mm-hmm. quickly. <laughs> It's kind of like when I don't push auto pause, and it's like, oh man. Yeah, exactly. Once you go to zero, your average speed drops way off. If you've ever done that and stop for two minutes and get mm-hmm. back going, your average speed is going to drop like one or two miles an hour. It's oh, the yeah. exact same thing yep. that's going on with this data. I think the interesting thing. I mean, I don't, I don't know. What do, what do you think of the data? Did you, you didn't get as much time to look at it as I. Yeah, did. I only looked for it. Looked at it for a little bit, but uh, you know they. I, I like this study because it does have men and women, which is nice. And it's a bigger, it's the biggest one out of all the ones that they looked at. Um, and it's actually was field hockey players, not swimmers. Um, so I don't know what that, if that makes a difference, but I'm still a morning person. <laughs> I'm, the other thing they didn't, they don't talk about too is, okay, if you're, you know, these people perform better in the afternoon, what did they do all day? Were they at work? You know, if well, these are college-age students, so they're probably at school, or training, or whatever. Yeah, I don't. You know, I, I think I think what happened. Yeah, if they don't have a stressful job during the day, that's going to impact well, how you performance. It's the thing, though. If I'm going to work for eight or nine hours, mm-hmm. then I've probably been up ten or eleven hours, so I'm going to be on this backside of this number mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah, that's true. You would have to be able to go out and like work out before the work day was over to hit the peak for this yeah like the set basically after lunch yeah um you know i said when i start looking at the data what what i think is kind of interesting about it is i yeah, i don't i don't see this huge performance loss I, there's, I, there's nothing I dramatic about it you know there's no big huge gaps anywhere. I, I, I don't i don't i don't see the big gaps i'm looking at the raw number especially when you take out like all the real outliers that are dragging things down yeah what I'm seeing is that, you know, for about eight hours during the day, probably not at the early hour or two after you wake up because you're just kind of getting going, mm-hmm. but probably those next three or four hours are probably going to be your best opportunities to train. Yep. Like from a swimmer standpoint, you're probably not giving your best at five in the morning because you probably haven't been up very long. Mm-hmm. And it's tough to really get things moving, but if you were to like go a couple hours later, like at eight instead of six, you'd probably perform a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Now, what's that performance gain? Uh, maybe a couple seconds faster on a fifty. I mean, we're not mm-hmm. talking about like you know out of this world performance yeah. increases so either in all of this. Miracle swimmer. But you would do better, and I, I think the big takeaway from my standpoint is you should probably test when your best training is mm-hmm. based on when you wake up to see if it is worse you know maybe i go out a couple hours after i wake up and that's my best time maybe it is four hours maybe between two and six or two and eight hours after i wake up that might be my best time to train you know maybe it what it tells me is that i need to probably explore this as a potential option mm-hmm the big thing I'm thinking is in terms of racing. You know, how close to wake up can I get some of my highest performance? Because we race in the morning. Yes. In a lot of these do. sports at seven thirty eight in the morning. Yeah. If I'm if, if I don't reach my 
high level of performance, maybe not peak, if I don't reach my high level of performance until two or three hours after I wake up, well, maybe I need to adjust when I wake up yeah. race morning to be ready. It would be an interesting weekend experiment, you know, sort of, I mean, just because for me, I have a whole lot more flexibility. I've got a bike on a power meter on my back porch. It's like, okay, well, maybe, you know, I continue to get up at five o'clock in the morning like I do now and wait to get onto the bike until eight o'clock. And then on the weekends, a lot of times I'll, I will wait just because I can, I've got more time and I feel better, you know, cause I've been awake longer. Interesting. But I, it'd be interesting to test. And you'd have to do it over like an extended period of time is the problem. <laughs> well, I mean, that's something I could do for a couple months every Saturday adjust i mean know, i guess you could you hour. could do it you know like i'm gonna get up to 140 heart rate what's my power that way i can kind of because the problem you begin to run to is if i do it over like four months i'm gonna get fitter oh good point <laughs> yeah you you know you so you'll be able to handle power <laughs> it becomes that. this hard challenge of yeah trying to like, well i can out. always do the same course you know yeah. i can set the garmin i can do it you know i can always do the same yeah but I would get better at it when. <laughs> yeah, your, your fitness would improve. It's really kind of interesting. I, I mean, I know that there is a negative effect about waiting too late in the day. Uh, one of the interesting elements of the Phoenix Seven is that whole body battery. Oh yeah, that's right. And when I find myself below like that fifty percent on that, I can't do a real high level workout. It's going to have to be something that's mm-hmm. really easy, and I'm not going to do very well at it. Mm-hmm. I do know that, and that's usually the 50%, that's probably going to be about six, seven, eight hours into a day <laughs> yeah. normally uh, yeah. if you're near the top when you start the day. Um, yeah, I do know that there is that negative for me because I wake up early. Now, if I were a night owl, that might not be true. I probably would have because yeah, I used to train bit. more at night when I was more of a night person, Yeah, and I didn't have any problems going out and, and putting together good workouts. Mm-hmm. But it is something to keep in mind that, when is when is my energy level best after I wake up? Mm-hmm. And kind of track it if you can. You yeah. know, when do you work out from when you wake up? I, yeah. I think so. Well, I mean, the study didn't delve into this at all, but a lot of times it depends on what kind of workout it is as to how good I'm going to feel after the workout. You know, and I, I get up at pretty much the same time of day, but I know when I get out of the pool, I'm wiped out. I feel good because I swam, and it always feels good, but... The best workouts for me early morning are just when I go to the gym and it's only 30 minutes. And it, I mean, I guess because it's an easier workout, but that one always seems to get me through the day a little bit easier than doing a hard workout like a swim or a run. Well, I mean, what they're probably talking about is I'm going to do a maximal effort. How much power do I produce in that maximal effort? Yeah. How or how fast am I in that maximal effort? When do I get the best result? Mm hmm based on when I woke up going forward. Yeah. If I do it like one hour after I wake up or if I do it three hours after I wake up. Yeah. If I go all out in a 200 swim, what's that time going to look like? Depending or I'm doing like 90% on it. How many hours after you wake up. Yeah. Yep. That's where it you. becomes interesting and in, in looking at it. it again, I, I don't know. I guess from a training standpoint, it would be good to kind of know that to be able to schedule your really hard workouts in those windows if you mm-hmm. can. Because your hard workouts, you really need to be hard. One of the things I found is if I'm tired and I don't have that good high-end workout, I don't get much from that mm-hmm. because I can't push All it does the is power. Wear you out. I can't push the power I need to get yeah. the adaptations. 
Yeah. I can do it for a little bit, but then eventually I start fading off because yeah. I'm tired. I can't hit the numbers I need power-wise on a bike to force those adaptations where if I go out when I'm fresh and feel good and this is going to be mm-hmm. a peak time, it's much easier for me to hit those numbers, which yeah. means I'm going to make the adaptations and get stronger. Yep. That's where this comes in is the other element. You know, race day, there's probably some potential behind that. Right. You know, if you're a night owl, you're pretty much screwed. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but if you are... Um... <laughs> yeah, you really are. <laughs> yeah, you would be in this case. Just looking at Unless the you were an ultra runner, and then, yeah, you'd be in that owl. You could come back as the day goes... You get stronger as the day goes on, yeah. I would assume. Yep. Uh, but for the most part, yeah, it would... You want to be a, a morning riser if you're going to compete in early morning races. Yeah. Um, I, what would be interesting also would be to look at, like, how this affects... Uh, from a time change standpoint because let's say i wanted to get up early on race day let's say i I race three three hours better yeah my best is three hours after i wake up so 7 30 race well that means i have to wake up at 4 30 what if i normally wake up at like 6 instead of 4 30 that would be like doing a time change would that create a negative effect if i woke up at 4 30 that morning before a race we begin to see where these studies can diverge into all types of things. If I try to make a special exception for this race, yeah. will that negatively affect me like I make a time change? Because people go into time changes and they're tired because they're not used to waking up at that time and right. you've changed your rhythm Well, it works for us because we usually get an extra hour. Yeah. So it always works out for us. <laughs> I mean, it's just kind of this interesting yeah. concept of what does that mean? If, if the circadian rhythm is important to how you train... If you make changes in that, how does that affect your training then? Mm-hmm. If I'm going to a race and I'm used to waking up at 7 or 8 in the morning every day, but now I'm going to have to get up at 4 in the morning, do I need to go out and start waking up at 4 in the morning a couple of weeks before the race? Probably to get not a my, bad idea. To get myself into that circadian rhythm for it, if what we're learning, if this is something that is real, and it yeah. appears to be some truth to this concept. It may not be applicable to everybody, but there is some truth to you know, as you, a couple hours away from waking up, I mean, everybody has their time. preferences for racing. You know, I mean, whether especially when it comes to running, because you do have other options. There's all kinds of 5K races at night and the afternoon, blah blah. blah. You know, you can you can pick and choose, and see. You know, I know what my preferences are, and it's morning. But a lot of other people, oh, I love the night races. You know, do so much better at night. Yeah, and it's probably yeah, because they're night owls. Yeah, <laughs> that would actually make sense. By then, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. and from a triathlon standpoint, yeah, I guess, yeah, and this is the question is, do I want to come like out of the water when I start getting on the bike? Is that when I want to hit that yeah. four or five hour mark into the day? Yeah. And then you kind of plan backwards from that waking up. Yeah. It becomes yeah. kind of this interesting Very concept. Interesting. It'd be some, again, like I said, it's, it's you know, people take the science as like, oh, it's the gospel, but it really is kind of more of a, okay, we've noticed this effect mm-hmm. on the circadian rhythm, the daylight, how long you've been up. And how well you do, you know, it's something that, Hey, we might want to look into as athletes Mm -hmm. to help ourselves out with training. And and for me, I think the big thing is, yeah, is really, you know, making sure that when I do my hard workouts, I try to hit those peak times. It's at the right time. Yeah. Interesting. Something to think, something to think about and incorporate if you can. Yeah. (laughs) Or you just don't. You just don't. You just wake up and you go do your thing. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, you really can't. I, most people can't really time when they're going to work out 
that yeah. specifically because of jobs. That and would be everything a, else. an amazing option to have, but well, that's yeah, that's what professional service. athletes do. Yeah, they not, get to not do us, that. not us peons who have to work for a living. Yeah. <laughs> we can try. We can do. We we can try as much as possible. But. Well, thanks for uh, listening or watching us, depending on if you're listening on iTunes. Give us five stars, five stars. subscribe, all that good stuff. If you're watching on YouTube. You've enjoyed it. Hit the like button. Gotta like that like you, button. You gotta come on. You, you this is like you, you don't obviously watch enough YouTube videos. I do this not is like watch the standard it. fare for YouTube videos. I had to do it. If you've enjoyed this to, video, hit the like button. If you want to see more YouTube con- video like for a project, and I was like, oh, I had to call a friend. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. And then I put it on there and I put it as private. And my professor's like emailing me going, can't oh, I can't see it, can't grade it if I can't see it. I'm like, oh my god. Anyway, so yeah, don't look at me for YouTube. But there's a like button? Cool. Yeah. And if you, uh, well, yeah, and they used to turn different colors depending on your platform and things. And you oh. can make that comment as well. Okay. But if you've enjoyed this content, hit the subscribe button. And there's a little bell. If you hit it, it'll notify you when we release new content. We try to release content regularly. We try. Yes. If you're looking for a coach, check us out at go3sport.com. And we will talk to you next week.